Good morning, everyone. Welcome here. Don't be shy. Come sit close to the front. We won't bite. We won't. We try not to spit too much when we're singing. <laughs> so please stand as we sing, There is Power in the Blood. good to remember the, the basics of the gospel, the simplicity of it, and there's always depth and mystery to be discovered, but it's good to not, not forget that it really comes down to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. So for the call to worship, I'll just be reading the first half of Psalm 34, and we'll read the second half later. So I'll be reading Psalm 34, verses 1 to 10. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. 
This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence through the Holy Spirit. We thank you for each other, the community that is represented here, and the way that we can encourage each other, spur each other on to good works. And I pray that this morning you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and that we would be able to set aside distraction, fear, um, shame, and be able to come here with honest and open hearts, that we would be engaged with the, the music, the words, um, and that we would have this time set aside intentionally to connect with you and connect with each other. Um, so we just, we want to bring this music and our hearts and our prayers before you as an offering God, and we want to offer our whole bodies as, as living sacrifices to you. Amen. It's saying, how deep the Father's love for us.
All right, this next song uh, might still feel a little bit new. I know that um, the church singers have done this one before. So feel free to just join in right from the start or whenever you feel comfortable. Oh 
please stand as we sing this next song. turn in your Bibles to Psalm 34 again, and we'll read the last half. So I'll start from verse 11. Psalm 34, 11 to 22. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 
The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Good morning. It's good that even with this intense heat, that we're all here to worship together. All right, if you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to pull them out. On them, you are going to see, uh, first off, Wednesday, 7 p.m. prayer meeting here at the church, and then next Sunday, 1045 uh, is the worship service, 1030. Uh, make sure to, you can feel free to come here. There will be plenty of people with good conversation if you do. Uh, next Sunday, we are going to have a guest speaker, uh, a good friend of mine from way back when. His name is Dustin Burlett. Uh, he knows an awful lot about the Noah flood, so make sure to talk to him about that. I'm not sure what he's preaching on. I'm just giving you that heads up. He's a fascinating guy to talk to. Then skipping down, we have a whole pile of things beyond what is just here. The first is that this is the second week we are going to be proclaiming the bands for Ariana and Everett for their wedding on July 30th. Uh, the bands are a way of letting the entire community know that they intend to be married and also that section of the marriage where it talks about if you have any uh, reasons these two should not be wed, speak now or forever hold your peace. That means come and if you have any issues, come talk to me or come talk to them. We're doing that now. It's not happening during the wedding. But July 30th, Everett and Ariana intend to be married. And so make sure to congratulate them for that as well as make sure to pray for them over the uh, weeks and months to come as they enter into this new part of their lives together. All right, next. July 24th, uh, there is going to be an uh, evening get-together. Uh, it says there, Jeff and Donna, there's been a last-minute change. It's actually going to be at Ron and Charlene's place. I uh, hope Ron knows this. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. <laughs> so, make sure to show up there one way or the other. But it's <laughs> July 24th at 7 o'clock, I believe. So, 7 o'clock, that's next Sunday. Uh, next, the North Norfolk Child Care Center is looking for volunteers to help in the food booth uh, at the Thresherman's Reunion. They've asked all of the churches if they could advertise. If anybody is interested in going to Thresherman's, uh, this is a way you could uh, do a little bit of good for the community and then even get your ticket comp. So uh, you can see a sign-up link there. That is July 28th to the 31st. There's still a bunch of places you can sign up. That's the link you can do it at. All right. Next, uh, Rolf Cruz, who is the uh, missions director of the EMC, he wants to put out to all of the churches that if anybody is interested in going on a prayer team mission to Belize, Paraguay, there we go, Paraguay, uh, in the fall, contact him. There are still spots open. At this point, the only requirement is, is that you will need to have a 
uh, passport already. That is just because the backup to get a passport at this point uh, with the government processing is three months or something like that, and they're looking to leave in September. So uh, if that is something that interests you, uh, then make sure to get in touch with Rolf Cruz. If you don't know how to, he's at the EMC head office, or you can come talk to me and I can get you in touch with him. Two more things, baby dedication on August 7th. Uh, so that'll be here at the church. There's going to be a baby dedication for the new babies in our congregation, August 7th. Uh, there's actually going to be a meal following that one too, not a potluck, uh, provided by Chai and Bo. Next, baptism, August 14th. All right, so baptism, August 14th. So that's back to back in August. All right, and then one more thing, uh, Valley, two more things. Valley View, uh, one of the prayer items is that they're looking for staff for this coming week. They have found everybody that they're looking for with the exception of they're still looking for a men's uh, church, uh, sorry, men's cabin parent. And so if that is something that would interest you, serving as a men's cabin parent, uh, at camp this week, then get in touch with them ASAP. Otherwise, there are still openings uh, in the future as well, like for the rest of summer. I think every week there is at least one or two things that are still open at this point. So if you are interested in serving at camp, get in touch uh, with them this week. And then finally, uh, Donna Thiessen is going to be stepping back from her role as a deacon. She is starting a new job in the fall, and she wants to focus on that entirely. And so I want to be the first to thank Donna for serving during an impossibly hard time to serve as a deacon over the pandemic. And no, thank you very much for all that you have done. I do very much so appreciate it. But we're going to be going into an election to find a new deacon in just a few weeks' time. And so uh, what I'll ask for you in the meantime is to pray about it. Pray who God wants to see as a deacon, that he will tap them on the shoulder. I would say feel free to do the same as well. And if it's you, be open to that. Uh, God doesn't make mistakes. And so I would say be open to it, but keep that prayer in your heart over the weeks to come. All right. So then going on uh, to prayer requests. Uh, there it says Valley View is still looking for staff. What we're going to change that to is thank you, Lord, for finding so many staff for this week. And yet also we pray that that men's church, uh, men's cabin parent will be found as well. Uh, EMC is searching for we're going to say two conference pastors. They're searching for the conference pastor to replace Layton, but there's also a new position coming up, uh, which is uh, the director of the Next Generation Ministries. So that's youth, young adults, and children ministries. It's going to be much similar to what Layton does, going from pastor to pastor, but in particularly focusing on youth pastors, young adults, pastors, and people that are involved in those ministries. Uh, so we want to pray that they will find the right people as they search. And then uh, finally, uh, for our church as we prepare for our fall activities. And so, let's go now into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning, first off in praise. Lord, we thank you so very much that we have seen you work tapping the shoulders of all of the people that Valley View needed to operate this week. God, we thank you for that. We are amazed by that. And Lord, we pray that this one last position of the men's cabin leader, that that is 
men's cabin parent, that that is found. We pray that whoever it is will go and they will find themselves transformed as a result. But again, Lord, we say thank you for witnessing this. And God, we also, as we are praying thanks, Lord, we want to thank you for our church. Lord, we want to thank you for all of the ways that we have seen you work through this group of people. Lord, we want to thank you for all of the ways that we have seen this group of people grow and change and come to understand you in new and exciting ways over the last few years. God, I want to thank you for the same thing in myself. Lord, everywhere we look, we can see you at work. And so, Lord, we pray, thank you so much for that. But we also pray, Lord, that for the things that we are looking for going forward, for the positions we need for the fall, for the events that we are hoping to plan, the activities we are hoping to do, that you will speak through the people that you need to speak through, that you want in that position, so that we can hit the ground running. Lord, this we put before you. And God, we want to thank you for the wider EMC as well and all the way that we have seen you work through our conference. And so God, we pray that we continue to see that in these two new positions that are opening. God, I pray that whoever it is that will be the next conference pastor and whoever it is that is going to take the bull by the horns with this new director of next generation ministries that you will give them everything they need to just run with it. To really bring the EMC into what it is that you want us to be going forward. And so God, whoever it is that they may be, we pray that they become open to this. Whoever it is that they may be, God, we pray that you speak through them and move through them so that they know that this is where you would have them. This we pray, O Lord. And finally, God, we want to bring Donna before you. Lord, we want to thank you so very much for how she has served so wonderfully during such a very difficult time. With the pandemic, there was just new questions that nobody has answered in a century. And all through it, we could see her following you. And so, Lord, we thank you for her. And God, we also pray as she starts with her new position in the fall that you bless her in it, that you give her strength in it, that you shape her into who you want her to be through it. Lord, this we put before you this morning as well. And as we now look once again for a deacon or a deacon couple, God, we pray, speak to those that you want that to be. Lord, all of these things we put before you this morning, all of these things we place at your feet, and with all that we are, we look forward to seeing what you will do as a result. In your name we pray, amen. All right. Today we are continuing on with our travel through our summer with the Psalms.
Looking now at our third group of psalms, the psalms of thanksgiving. These psalms can be thought of uh, as the hopeful sequel, let's say, of the psalms of lament that we talked about last week. These are the psalms for when you have been in a bind, for when you've been in a low part in your life, and then you have seen God help you through that, and you are overtaken by that. The Psalms of Thanksgiving, they're very similar to the hymns of praise that we talked about two weeks ago, Uh, but where those tended to be just praising God in a big sense, praising God for the big things in life, like thank you, Lord, for creating the world, and thank you, Lord, for forgiving sins. These Psalms of Thanksgiving, these are different. These are instead very personal. These Psalms have real story attached to them. These have real testimony bound up with them. In many ways, these are about the living out of that testimony. And so, for our example, for Psalms of Thanksgiving, we are going to turn, as you've seen, to Psalm 34. That's Psalm 34, if you have your Bibles on you, where we read in the first chunk, the first stanza, which is from the beginning of Psalm 34 to verse 3, and I say beginning because it actually starts before verse 1, as you'll see in your Bibles, but from the beginning to verse 3, where we read, of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, an interesting thing about this psalm is that Psalm 34 is what is called an acrostic, which uh, is not something that is easily translated to English, so if you were reading that, you might not have caught it. Some of your Bibles might show that if there is like a little Hebrew letter in front of each one of the lines, then that's what it's trying to get across. But what an acrostic is, it's a poem or it's a song where every line starts with a different letter, uh, either through the alphabet, as is the case with this one. Each line starts with a different level, uh, sorry, a different Hebrew letter and goes through the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, or by spelling out a word. Uh, And the acrostic psalms, there are a number of them. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible by far, that's an acrostic. Uh, But the acrostic psalms, they're they're written in a way, uh, that way for a number of reasons. Often it's just an artistic choice. Maybe the writer decided that it was a beautiful thing to do. Maybe they just liked being very flowery things. Maybe it was them saying that uh, if they were going A through Z with their psalm, that this is all I have to say about this, something like that. But with Psalm 34, then it's a bit different because in this case, almost certainly the reason this is an acrostic is because that was a practical thing to do. And by that, what I mean is is that it is a whole lot easier to remember an acrostic because even if you forget the next line, you know what letter it starts with, and that kind of gives you a jumping off point. Well, maybe that's how I should write my words, (laughs) go through the letters and not actually remember words. But we'll see why that's the way this was written in just a bit, why it's that practical thing to make it easy to memorize. But this psalm, it has three main sections in it. 
three main stanzas. And it begins with this invocation, this call to praise God. The reason why we are told is right there in the header, because King David himself escaped Abimelech, his captor, by feigning insanity. Or to phrase that in a way that makes it absolutely clear why David is thanking God, he is praising the Lord because David was captured. He prayed for deliverance, as we'll see later on in the psalm. And then he actually succeeds in escaping his captivity by doing something that would almost be way too cartoonish even for a children's story, feigning insanity, and then that actually works. So obviously God had to have had a hand in that one. That story you can find in 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15, uh, with one major change that you will find if you look in 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 15, there the name of the king is Achash, not Abimelech. That is the same person, though, because the name Abimelech means my father is a king. But it is because of this act of our God, listening to David when David called out for deliverance, that we now read David telling us that he will Praise the Lord forever, that he will shout it far and wide, that he will praise God at all times, and David likely means that literally, that he will praise God at all times. As during those days, the priests, they actually had a ritual where they would go and pray day and night in shifts just to make sure that there was not a moment in the day that someone was not either studying God's word or praying he will praise God at all times. But be that a figurative or literal line, David tells us that he will glory in the Lord and he will call on those who are afflicted like he was to join him in doing the same thing, praising God's name, for God has, has them in mind. To which from there... Uh, we move on to the second stanza, which is verses 4 to 7. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. The poor men called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. If the first stanza is a call to praise God for what he did to save David's life, now we move into the things, the detailed list of things that David has learned from that experience as well. Because that is what happens when we encounter God. We, we find ourselves in need of praising Him first, but also we have our eyes opened to new things about Him, new things that we have learned, because how can you come into the presence of the Lord and not learn new things about who He is? In David's case, his big takeaway from his experience with God was this. If you go to the Lord, He will listen. Four times in this chunk, we see him say some variant of just that. The poor man called out to God, and so God saved him. If you turn to the Lord, he will answer, I sought the Lord, 
and he is there. And sought's a great word there in verse 4. Sought isn't that I didn't know where to go, and so I kept looking until I found something. No, sought tells us that David knows where he should turn when times are tough. He sought God to help him survive. He sought God for help, and God saved him. God answered him. And the passage goes on. Those who look to God are radiant, David says. And here we think about stories that we hear elsewhere in Scripture. We think about, say, Moses and Elijah on the mountain with Jesus in the story of the transfiguration, Matthew 17. They, they radiate God's glory because they had been in his presence. In the same kind of way, David tells us here, are all of those who come before God with their troubles. To ask God for something and to be answered is also to come before God, to radiate God's care, his glory, his love to all around as you recount what the Lord has done for you. We might not be glowing as they did on top of that mountain, but it's of the same kind. And thinking of this reflected radiance is also how you understand the next line as well. Their faces are never covered in shame for how can you have your face turned to God? How can you radiate his glory and then also find shame in anything that is connected to that experience? To be thought valuable enough by God himself for him to answer you when you come before him means that any shame that you have for coming before God with your problems, no matter how menial you might think they are, that God answered means that there is no shame in that. There is no shame in the presence of God. So come before God with all your problems, just as David does. All your concerns placed at the Lord's feet. And setting this down, David talks then of a poor man. And depending on your translation, it might sound as if he's talking about himself or possibly that he's talking about some other token man instead. It's more likely that he's talking about some other uh, actual poor man as, well, we'll see when the psalm ends. But the poor man is saved by asking God for help with his problems and then by God listening to him. And so there is no shame in even the poor man bringing his problems, lowly as they may be, before God, the same way that there is no shame for David, the anointed king of Israel, bringing his problems before God either. There is a lifting up of the poor man in these words. There is an equalizing that is found in the fact that we can all bring our problems before God. And what is more is that even for a poor man, be it David or be it someone else, be they poor in terms of money, be they poor in terms of power or in terms of health or in terms of family connections or any such thing, for even someone that we think of as lowly in our world around us, David tells us here that God, if we ask him, will send his angel to encamp and to deliver if we put our cares before him. 
And the angel of the Lord, he shows up a lot in the Bible, and he shows up both as a messenger as well as he shows up as a great and terrible force when the situation calls for it as well. So for the angel of the Lord to encamp for you, for God to send the angel of the Lord to encamp for you, that means that by putting our cares, putting our needs before God, the powerless through God become powerful, and the wordless through God gain the loudest voice of all. And so when you are in need, David tells us in this stanza, this is what he has learned from when God saved him from Abimelech in that almost comical way. Put your needs before God and the Lord will answer. And so praise his name for that. And up until this point, kind of like last week, this psalm reads almost like a hymn of praise. But it's now in the third and the final chunk, in the third stanza of Psalm 34, that it veers into the direction of something different, of something new and something wonderful. The third chunk is verse 8 all the way to the end. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one will, who takes refuge in him will be condemned. At the first stanza of Psalm 34 is David telling us that because the Lord saved me, before I, because I came before the Lord and he listened and he saved me, then I praise God. And if the second is him telling us just what he has learned about who God is from that experience, then here in the third we move into something different we move into David taking a crack at actually writing his own wisdom literature in response to the Lord saving him. And I say that because if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, great read. If you've ever read it, you're going to get a very real sense of deja vu from what David says here. We haven't talked much about wisdom literature in the Bible since I have come here, and I think that is definitely something we need to tackle in the future. But to sum up Proverbs, it's, it's a handbook for how to 
teach others to live rightly, how to live wisely, usually a parent to a child or a teacher to a younger student. But that's what it's about. This is how you live wisely. The Proverbs are not promises, but instead you can think of them like a direction. Fear God, choose your timing well. That's an important part of wisdom. You need to know when to say things or when not to, but choose your timing well. And remember these bits of advice that you will find in the books like Proverbs, and more likely than not, you know that you're going to be living life right, living on the path of the wise. And that Psalm 34 here in this third chunk sounds like it's almost directly ripped from Proverbs. That brings us back to the most likely reason that this psalm is an acrostic in the first place. I said we'd come back to that. Because the Proverbs are things that you memorize. That's why they're in that form that they are, like that little three-line thing, because it makes it just very easy for you to put them in your brain, for them to stick there, and then for you to internalize that as you live for the rest of your life. In the same way, memorize and internalize these teachings of wisdom from the great King David now, who God saved from imprisonment against all odds, who taught him these wonderful things about who he is, and from that there are these wisdoms for how we should live as a result. With verse 8, we begin with taste and see. See that the Lord is good. This is a truth David teaches us, that if you only look at the world around you, you will see that that is true. Think of every setting sun. Think of every walk you've ever taken through the forest. Think of every taste of wine and bite of bread broken for us. And every moment you live, David teaches us now, and the goodness of God is there to witness. So make sure that you witness it. That is a frame of mind that we need to remind ourselves to take. Fear the Lord, David goes on to teach us that is put him foremost in your life. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Put him in front. Do this and you will know the blessings. Like David who teaches us these words also knew when he was saved from Abimelech. The lions, that is, all of the threats of the world around you. In David's case, quite possibly actual lions, given where he lives. They will grow weak while you dwell in the Lord. For the Lord's protection will be on you, and you will be safe again, just as David found himself safe when he came before God with his concerns. Listen to David now as he teaches us of his experiences with God, and you will know the wisdom that our Lord taught him through his encounter. And then verse 13, and David's teachings become even more like the book of Proverbs, because in that book frequently there is this comparison of the way of the richest righteous and the wise as compared to the other side of things, the way of the foolish, of the evil and the wicked. You who would be wise, 
Be following God as I have followed God, David teaches us. Do not say evil things or lie, for if putting what we need before God is met by a God who listens, if putting what we need before God is met with a God who will look at us and we will reflect His radiance as a result, then for those who do wicked, that is, those that work against God and work against His people, then their face will not reflect His radiance. Instead, when they see the face of God, it will be something that is terrifying. The poor and the low who come before God in humility are risen up when they see the radiance of our Lord. But even the names of the wicked, no matter how mighty that they may be now, they will be forgotten. So do not live an evil life, David teaches us, for that is folly. To which we come to verse 17. And David's wisdom begins to sound even more familiar to us, but now from a different source than the Proverbs. The righteous cry out to God, and he listens and saves them. The brokenhearted are those God is close to, and he will comfort them. The poor in spirit, God will save. In David's words here, can you hear an echo of his greatest descendants speak? The teachings of Jesus are right there. Blessed are the righteous. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the brokenhearted. You can hear softly in the wisdom of David the voice of Jesus. And that's to be expected, because what true wisdom doesn't come from God? But David teaches us this, that he has learned from coming face to face with the Lord and being saved by him, and that these are the same words that Jesus would teach us hundreds of years later in the Sermon on the Mount. That means that there is real value in these words. It is true, truly from God that these are the people that he is for. These are the people that we, his followers, should be for and should be as well. For those are who are poor in spirit, those who are brokenhearted, and those who are righteous, God, as we saw earlier in this psalm, he will see them exalted. While those who are the opposite, they will see the outcome of their folly as well. Time and again, from many sources, we're taught this in God's Word, in the Bible. And now David, in his psalm of thanksgiving, teaches us this same lesson that we should all remember as well. That blessed are the brokenhearted, the righteous and the poor in spirit. For the God will have them, hold them, remember them, and lift them up. And with that, Psalm 34 comes to a close. In this psalm, we are taught something about what it means to be thankful to God that I think it's important for us to dwell on. But the psalm begins, we learn why David is thankful. Then as it goes on, 
We find him in response praising the name of the Lord and calling on others to do the same. Then David goes further and he tells us specifics about what his encounter with God has taught him about who the Lord is. But then the psalm in its last chunk and longest chunk by a fair margin ends with David entering into the role of the great teacher, enlightening us as to how what we have What he has learned has taught him about what it means to live life wisely, to live life well. And I think that in that progression from experiencing God on one side to praising him, to reflecting and learning, to then sharing the wisdoms that you have gained from it to everyone around you, in that there's something worth taking to heart. And I say that because I kind of get the feeling that most of us feel and including myself a lot of the time, that the usual progression of what to do when you've encountered God is a bit shorter than that. I think what we most often expect from experiencing God, it tends to be a bit more of an inward-focusing thing. We encounter the Lord often through answers to prayer or when we are in His Word, to which then we praise Him, because of course we do, And then we reflect on that experience and how it has impacted us and what we have learned from it. And then, well, then that's just kind of where we stop. As if we see the ultimate importance in coming face to face with God as simply, how did it impact me? But in the Psalm of Thanksgiving, then we see that the question, what did I learn from this, is it's really It's really just part of the start of the whole thing. After David experiences God, after David praises God, after David explores what this encounter means for how he understands God to be as a result of that encounter, we're at verse 7. The Psalm's 22 verses long. The largest part by far is the part where he shares that wisdom that he's gleamed to everyone around him. It's as if what we learn about God from encountering him is really not meant to just stay with us. I guess what I'm trying to say is that from this psalm, it doesn't seem like we are supposed to think that we are the end point of our relationship with God. When we come before our Lord, we read in this psalm that our face radiates his glory. But what value is that if we just keep our faces to ourselves from that point on or just looking in a metaphorical mirror? The radiating of God's glory isn't for our own benefit, but instead it is for everyone around us. Our testimonies, our life stories, our encounters with God, we, we may have been the ones who lived them, but just as much as they are ours, I think a thing to take from this psalm and from all the psalms of thanksgiving, because they all kind of make some version of this same point in their form, is that maybe those experiences are for everyone's enrichment along with our own. 
They are for sharing God's truth with those around us. They are for sharing Christ's wisdom for a life well-lived with those around us. And as we see in the end of Psalm 34, they are for reminding all of us who our God is, what he is about and who he is for and who he would see lifted up as well. Because if an encounter with the Lord is truly real, it will reflect who he is. As we see David reflect Jesus centuries before our Lord is even born in our psalm today. So too, when we encounter God, we will reflect our Lord as well. We may be the main characters in our relationship with the Lord, but the stories and things that we have learned from encountering God, those, those belong to everyone. So for today, I leave you with this. Let's try to be like David. In the hard times of your life, go before God. No matter what the jam is, be you a poor or a king, there is no concern too shameful to put before our God who will listen. And when you find that he has, praise him for it and reflect on all that encounter teaches you about who our Lord is. But then after all that, that comes the longest part. Share the wonderful news of our God to the world around you as well. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Russell, for those words of encouragement and sending. Please stand as we sing Great is Thy Faithfulness.
And for today's benediction, we turn to the book of Numbers. And one of the lines is going to make more sense for everybody because of what we just talked about. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and radiate that same blessing to the world around you.